all those emotions came out. So, my in my perspective, not only just being a cop and law enforcement, but just being a dad, just being a husband, just being a father, um, it was normal. Like in a major in psychology, all of those feelings was normal. Those protests were people were looting. Um, yes, it's sad for the businesses, but in some type of form, in some type of way, people need to release their energy. Um, it's Dad's night. Welcome back to Dad's Nights Presents. Time out with Omar and Samer. Today is the start of a mini series that me and my co-host wanted to do in light of the current events, specifically the George Floyd situation. We thought it'd be necessary to use our platform to begin having these conversations. We have a special guest today that we are excited to interview. Him and I go way back to basketball wars in Wilmington, Delaware. But before all that, Omar, how are you feeling tonight? We're back. Dad's night is back. I'm excited. Uh, lots happened just in the last um, few weeks since we ended the first season. So uh, we got a lot to talk about, man. And I think, uh, you know, although this is my first time meeting our guest today, I think it's the perfect first guest for this, uh, for this miniseries, for sure. Hell yeah. And so our, our guest is Jamal Merrill. Um, born and I don't know if you're born and raised in Delaware, but you've been in Delaware for quite some time. So Jamal, born man. How you feeling, man? I'm feeling good. I'm glad to I'm glad to be on here. Dad's night. That's a huge number one in my life. So the just the title alone just caught my ear. <laughs> Hell yeah. We like to have fun um with this, but you know, this is a pretty serious matter, serious time. Um for people that can't see you right now, we'll talk about what you do, but you are a Delaware State police officer. Um, but before getting into that, Omar, uh, take it away. Uh, yeah, so, so well, to, well, just, you know, just to, to go off of what Samuel was saying, um, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself, man. I, obviously, uh, you, know, you know what you do for a living, but uh, it is dad's night, so you know, are you married? How many kids do you have? Gotcha. What are the ages? Where are you from? Um, and, and where do you live now? Uh, born and raised in um, Wilmington, Delaware, Jamal Morrell. Um, been, I've been with my wife now for 12 years, been married for seven. Got a beautiful 10-year-old daughter, five, um, handsome five-year-old son. Um, I work in the uh, Newcastle area as far as Delaware State Trooper. I've been on the force for five years now. Um, I'm big into the youth. Um, I, I chose to become a um, law enforcement, um, just to bond with the public, not only the, through the negative times, but also create that positive um, light on them to show them that we are still humans. Um, I, I feel the same way as far as when they have fun with me, I'm getting the benefit from that too as well. So. I'm huge in the community, um, creating different avenues for people to bond with the um, police. That's awesome. That's a good intro. And it's uh, for people that don't know, you and I do go way back. I think to yep. the Wildcats basketball days when you guys used to rivals with us. Um, and, you know, we, we were talking about this before. I haven't talked to you in quite some time. So it's great to see the man that you've become and the things that you're trying to do in the community. Um, especially in our home of Delaware, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah, and and don't worry, guys. I won't bring up. Uh, I won't bring up the fact that uh, our previous Dad's Night guest, Andrew Corrigan, also had some <laughs> basketball beef with everybody here. So <laughs> we'll leave that. We'll leave that alone for today. Yeah, I like it <laughs> for sure. So Jamal, um, yeah, we can see you right now. But are are you on shift right now? What's what's actually happening? Uh, what are you doing? I'm actually I'm actually going to clock in um soon. So. I'm actually going in, do what I love, and, and obviously bond with the public. 
Hell yeah. Cool, man. Well, again, thank you for your time. So let's jump into it. Uh, obviously, there's a lot going on. There's been a lot of things happening in the world today. Uh, you know, there's a lot of uh, feelings, anxiety, kind of, you know, from us people that are not black. We don't really know when we can say things, when we can't say things. Um, but uh, what we first wanted to ask you was, you know, with everything that happened with George Floyd, we did see that you posted it on Instagram. Um, what was your uh, initial reactions to all that? So my initial reaction, um, just like I tell everybody, everybody wants to ask, was just embarrassed. Obviously, like being a positive symbol in Delaware, being somebody that um, holds my oath to the badge to uplift the community, obviously take um, preserve life. That's something I, I, why, a reason I joined the job. So to see that, Immediately, I just got embarrassed. I'm like, wow, like for somebody to be behind the badge to take that oath and then do something like that, I was just embarrassing at first. And then it kind of made me, the next feeling I had was just sad because I feel as though all life is precious. And for, for George Floyd to lose his life like that, it shouldn't have never happened. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, you, that's that's actually a good, good uh, point because, you know, as a dad, right, you have a daughter uh, you have a son. Um, what did that mean for you? Like kind of thinking about it from that perspective? Oh, uh, tremendously. I mean, no parent want to see harm or any, anything as far as death um, brought upon their kids. So just to be a dad, um, the love that I have for my kid. Um, that's why I said I felt sad because he also was a, a father. He also was a, um, a son. So that it not only affects just his family, but it affects the people around him, obviously. Um, his mother, his his daughter. Um, so not only by him losing his life, a lot of people lost a part of their heart as well because obviously he was um, huge in their life. Yeah. Did um, did did all of this? Uh, did did you see any change in like the atmosphere at home between your kids and your wife? I mean, what were the conversations like when you came home from work that day, or when you were going going to work that day? Um, when okay. you know everything happened. Yep. So when, um, when everything happens, um, one thing in my household, I always say, I preach what I teach. Um, I'm a, I always tell my kids, like, I'm, I'm going to be a living example for whatever I try to give you that um, message for. So um, in my household, it, it was no different. Um, some, something in my household, we keep it real. Um, that's one thing I always tell my kids, keep it real and never lie. So when they started to hear about what was circulating in the, um, in the, on the news, as far as um, what was going on, as far as obviously in Delaware, people were starting to protest. Um, we just sat my kids down and told them like, okay, uh, a cop made a bad decision. Obviously that decision decision was a bad decision. And obviously with making a bad decision, there's always consequences. In this case, um, um, it's, it's going up, passed up to the court, but there is a long process as far as the court. And in the meantime, a lot of people was protesting. So we explained to our kids that um, there are gonna be some positive protests, there are gonna be some negative protests. Um, my kids, um, yeah, I wouldn't say they were because I, I'm a living example. Like I said, I preach what I teach. So they know I'm a positive guy. I treat people um, the same way I would like to be treated. So um, just like my daughter said to me, just keep being great. Keep doing what you're doing. She loved me. And that's that's all I needed. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I love that. That's like a parent's job, right? It's like you're yeah. supposed to be that light in their life, regardless of what's happening outside or regardless of what your job is. Um, how did you feel about the protests? What was um, your, like, what was your initial reaction to that, to everything that just, cause at first it was, you know, it has kind of 
the I think the vibe has changed a little bit as the week went on. Because um, initially it was, I mean, there's a lot of emotion. This is a very emotional uh, topic. So, so anytime something like this happens, you can't help. You can't help to hide your emotions. That's the biggest number one thing. Um, when yeah. people feel so strong about something or feel so um, endeared to their heart that somebody did something wrong, and this like um, cop, being a cop, you're under the magnifying glass 24/7. So for him to do that, obviously, we live in a social media society, and it was on video. So all the answers was millions. The whole world got to see it through a video. So yeah, it all those emotions came out. So. My, in my perspective, not only just being a cop in law enforcement, but just being a dad, just being a husband, just being a father, um, it was normal. Like in a major in psychology, all of those feelings was normal. Those protests where people were looting. Um, yes, it's sad for the businesses, but in some type of form, in some type of way, people need to release their energy. Um, in this situation, a lot of people um, went out and started looting. A lot of people went out and um, did a lot of bad things as far as fighting. Um, yes, as being a law enforcement on law enforcement side, yes, you do bad, you get bad results. Obviously, some of those people got locked up. Um, that's, and there was a lot of protests around the world that were positive protests that were getting their message across. But now being a father on my father's side, you got to look at the bigger picture. I just want everything, obviously, to come to a major focal point. Um, the whole world, in a sense, just agree with everything, just make everything a lot of equal. Um, and it, it's, it's so much deeper than just um, George Floyd, you got housing, you got poverty, you got, um, you got, um, you got the way people are getting paid. There's still a low in, uh, unemployment rate. Um, now it's high now due to COVID-19, but um, it's, it's just, it goes on. The list goes yeah, on. I mean, I mean, things like generational trauma and like all got of the factors. And, and that's, I, I, I love that you mentioned that because it's like sometimes people are rightfully you know, very reactionary um, with with issues. Uh, and we forget that below the surface, there's so much other shit that needs so to be addressed for that stuff to actually kind of like be resolved and yeah. and for us to all like start to agree on certain things. So yeah. um, one thing I, I can add to that is, um, so with being in law enforcement, you, as you get older, you start to see things different. You start to understand different avenues and then once you learn that avenue, you create an avenue and you're here like, wow, this can be better. This can be better. So with being in law enforcement, um, one topic that me and my wife sat down and talked about, just from my agency alone, we hire a lot of out-of-state people. So my, 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 my decision in my head, I'm just like, wow, like me being born and raised from Delaware, I have a huge positive um, advantage because I know the um, culture in Delaware. I know people. I know different areas, so it's rather than somebody coming from another state and you're training them and just putting them on the road, um, it's kind of hard for them to adjust to that culture. You can't just learn the culture within six months or um, four, four weeks on the road as far as FCO training. So that's kind of hard. So I would say um, more states need to hire in-state. Obviously, somebody that's been born and raised in that state, they has a huge advantage and you won't get those problems necessarily as far as um, other states have or which hiring out of state. So, I mean, it's yeah, just that, one thing. That's such, a, that's such a great point. I was, I was talking to Samra the other day, you know, and, and I was like, we were talking about this exact same thing. So I live in DC and, um, you know, a lot of local, um, the law enforcement is comprised of a lot of local people. Uh, and, you know, I'll be walking down the street sometimes in the neighborhood and like a cop is waving out the window to somebody like, 
you know, say hi to Uncle Charles for me, you know, it's like they're exactly. from here. They exactly. grew up, you know, four blocks away. Like they're, exactly. they feel a real connection um, to the community and they, and they feel a responsibility towards it. And like, like you said, like somebody that's coming from outside, it's, I mean, it's less likely that they're going to have that connection or build yep. or be able to build it, you know? Yep. Yep. And that leads to, that leads to, even if they are hired from another state, Obviously, you get a lot of law enforcement agencies dish out a lot of training. So just uh, up, law enforcement agencies need to just update your training. You know, um, I would say humanize the badge rather, rather than teach somebody 100% how to um, be behind the badge and do the job. It's easy to teach somebody how to do this job. Obviously, we write reports, we go, we learn law books, we go out and charge people with different crimes. But what about humanizing the badge as far as if you don't have to charge somebody, you take that quick minute to just bond with that person and that's that's just that extra step I take and um I've been on job five years and it's have paved ways that I never thought hey, that's that's a cool I mean you're you're talking about a lot of things that I think a lot of people don't really like to talk about right you talked about normal reactions you talked about knowing the culture you talk about humanizing really the underlining theme is the empathy right how to empathize with people in this world and you have a tougher position because you know, people aren't always calling police officers for, hey, I'm just calling to say hi. It's like there's always yep. a problem. So always a problem. I think I think that's that's such a great perspective to have and something to think about um, even more often. I mean, me growing up in Delaware as well, like I'm I'm proud of the first state, you know, just yep. like you um, it would be great to, you know, potentially have more people growing up learning and becoming police officers to help with that cultural aspect, uh, which is which is awesome and something that I didn't even know was happening in the state of Delaware. Yeah. Um, that's that's so cool, man. I, I like that. Humanize the badge. You should uh, yeah. you should coin that term. Uh, <laughs> maybe trademark that. For, you heard hey. it first here on Dad's Night, though. <laughs> next video, next video coming. See if you humanize the badge. That's awesome. No, I, I love that. That's that's a great. That's a really great perspective to have. Um, especially because I think it's deeper, right? Like you're yes. not only saying that from the perspective of your job, but you're also teaching that to your kids and yeah. to the people that you're working with on the day-to-day -day basis, um, which I think is just something that we don't get to hear that often um, because a lot of the news stories are, you know, bad things are happening or extreme yeah. examples. Um, and, you know, like I think in your video that you posted, uh, you know, shining your light, you know, it's, it's not always the bad apples, right? You have a lot of good people doing good things, um, but it really starts with understanding people and understanding their, um, their reactions and how they, like, you, like imagine walking into, your, uh, uh, into the room with your wife and telling her to calm down immediately. Like, yep. That, yep. that ain't going to go over well. Nope. <laughs> that's, that's great, man. Nah, great, great answer. And I did want to ask one quick question. So, um, just on the topic of your family, understanding, you know, your parents, your, your family, your cousins, have they reached out to you more often just saying like, are you okay? How are you handling things? What's going on in the communities? Kind of how is your, the, your extended family really reacting? So my extended family reaction the same way the whole world's reacting. Um, a lot of them are heard from the whole George Floyd incident because obviously their parents, um, a lot of them are hurt even more because the negative light um, the whole world right now is, has on law enforcement. Um, with me being a positive guy and doing my job to the best of my abilities every day, 
and yes, it, it, it's it's transferring to a lot of um, a lot of the good officers um, in law enforcement. So yes, we're getting the brunt of that negativity as well, which it's nothing I shy away from. It's just another connection that I can talk and bond with that person, just shine my light on them as well. Um, so a lot of family members are calling, asking if I'm all right. Um, a lot of them just saying, just keep doing what you're doing because, like I said, I am that positive light, and obviously now you need to be that positive light more than ever because um, it's a lot of darkness out there. So I'm just um, just keep praying, just keep doing what I'm doing, and everybody I come in contact with, hopefully I can leave a little positivity with them that they can walk away that wow, like there's some, it is great cops around here, and um, can't let that situation deter our mindset. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, speaking of, of positivity and, and shining your light, so Samra was telling me uh, a story um, about one of your um, posts on social media and you um, had been responding to a call uh, about a couple of kids that were playing ball or something and somebody called um, the cops on them and, and you responded to the call. Can you, can you tell, uh, tell us a little bit about that story? Yeah, so I um, got... Uh subject in a hotel or uh, well, apartment complex called and wanted um, a bunch of teenagers kicked off the basketball court. This is around COVID-19. So um, I responded to the call, seen a um, group of um, kids playing basketball. So did my job. Um, I had to um, escort them off the basketball court. But while doing that, I chose, took that time to get to know these kids. You know, it's easy to just pull up somewhere and say, all right, you got to leave. Bye. See you later. Um, so me, the way I do the job, I like to try to bond with everybody. Um, yeah, so it was a negative moment for them getting kicked off the court because obviously if you're a basketball player, you want to finish your games. So mm -hmm. I took the time to get to know them, found out um, two of them played for U uh, Wilmington University. Um, another one was a walk-on. So I, I left on my card and was like, yeah, man, um, I have a home gym. If you guys want to work out sometime, come over. We'll have a good workout. Um, not even a week later, they um, messaged me, and I was like, oh, come over, drove down to my house we got in a good workout and obviously we've been continuing that um in three weeks now so just just going the extra step and now i know all of them personally and they're obviously they look up to me and just keep it going that's cool man and these and so these were these were young black kids yes yep yeah, yeah. and and i and i thought it was you know i i thought it was super cool what sarah was telling me the story because i was like uh you know who knows who called who knows who made that call uh, we could probably all use our imagination on that one, yep. but, uh, you know, the, the point is, you know, like you said, you took that extra step and it's, you know, sometimes I, I think in any job, be it a police officer or whatever, you know, a lot of people do the bare minimum, dude. Like that's, minimum, that's yes. in, in some cases, you know, human nature. It's like, oh, okay, this is what I signed up for. I do X, Y, and Z. I fill out the paperwork and then I go home. Yep. Um, and that's how a lot of people look at their professions. Yep. And um, I think with being a police officer, it's more important than any other profession, just law enforcement in general, to, like you said, be more of a human being. You can't just look at it like a job because that little extra step that you took, I mean, who knows the impact that that made on those kids? Because they probably, you know, who knows? They might have been thinking, like, who called, you know, who called the, the cops on us? Like, they might have had some sort of resentment to – you know, an entire group of people because of that situation. Exactly. But yes. now you have a positive experience that came out exactly. of it. So, so my mindset behind that is, and like, this is something I'll probably take to my grave, but like, I love it. Um, and if I could pass it on to other law enforcement officers, this is what I'll pass. Like, my mindset is I always treat people the way I want to be treated because of the next person that I have to deal with them. And then to explain that is 
by me bonding with those um, group of teenagers and um, telling them they could come over, going extra mile, letting them come work out with me. Um, it gives them that positive reinforcement. I like, wow, he's a great guy. And they got to see me outside of uniform at my house, working out with them, laughing, having a good time. So that way, the next officer that might pull them over for a traffic stop, they will handle that whole situation 100% way much more better because from my positive light, it'll shine um, on the next officer and they'll treat him with kindness. They'll obviously listen to his commands and go from there. Rather on the backside, and I tell people all the time, if I would have handled that situation so negative, say if I, if it was, I got out there and told him, get on the ground, searched all of them, um, said I suspected drugs, um, made, just changed the whole atmosphere, just made their whole mindset, like just ruined it, the whole um, bridging the gap between police and the public. They would have, and say a week from there, a month from there, if another cop would have pulled them over, which could be a great cop, great at talking to people, he probably would get the negative brunt of how I treated them. Yeah, and he would have to deal with it. So I always tell cops in the, in the whole world, just take that extra step, go the extra step, just bond with people because it might you might not get the negative run of it, but you're helping the next officer as far as creating that, leaving that positive light, leaving that positive symbol on how you treated them on that person. So it goes a long way. Yeah. Jamal, how, how uh, much of an influence has it been for you, like growing up in Wilmington, or playing basketball, understanding that, to kind of handle these situations? Oh, huge. Um, just going far in sports and making it to the NFL and stuff, just from Little League all the way up to the NFL, like you learn so much team bonding. Obviously, with anybody that plays sports, you know it's always the weakest link on the team. And to be a captain on that team or just to be a middleman on that team, they're going to need to bring that weakest link up. It's no different from being in law enforcement. It's no different from being in public. Um, you respond on scene, say, if it's a crime that occurred. Obviously, that person did that crime for something. Nobody just goes out and commit a crime because they have a million dollars in the bank. Obviously, mm -hmm. they, they're trying to pay for something for their kids. They're trying to put clothes on their back. They're trying to put food in their belly. So, um, yes, I still charge people with their crime accordingly. But at the same time, I'm taking the extra step. All right, look, man, you got Sunday breakfast mission in Wilmington. They give free meals out at 3 a.m. So tomorrow, the next day, that person might not commit that crime because he knows where to get his meal. Um, that's what I always say. It, from just playing sports, you, you learn to go the extra mile with people and just bring the best out of them, even through the bad, bad time. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I think you touched on something quickly in the previous question, but you talked about this kind of spreading to other police officers, um, right? You taking the extra mile, you doing this thing. Have you seen with the way you've responded to certain things that has actually spread within your police department and force? hundred uh, percent. Um, I can say from my shift alone, um, just the way I deal with the public, um, it creates that positive, that good feeling on your shift. Um, say, and it, it goes both ways. If I was a negative guy and I respond on scene, it'll be, it will handle that situation in a negative light. Um, if I make the wrong decision, then my shift will have to back me up on that decision at that time. So just being a positive guy, I feel as though tons of situations that could have went bad. Um, went the best way possible. Um, it almost ends with last from um, the person that obviously we encountered. Um, just being almost like from just go back to sports. You've been the captain on the team. A lot of people follow as a captain. Um, you're going to win the game based on what the captains do. You're going to lose the game based on what the captain do. Not necessarily how much points the captain um, makes, but necessarily if that captain's putting his energy into the players around him. Um, it just goes mm -hmm. a long way. Absolutely. 
No, that's great. And I actually forgot you were in the NFL for a little bit. So nice little dad's night flex, first professional player. Yeah, I like it. Yes, you mentioned you played for Rutgers, but who did you you play for in the NFL? I had a brief stint with the Tennessee Titans. Oh, cool, man. Awesome. Nice. Um, I'm still an Eagles fan, though, so, you know, congrats (laughs) on your career. But, like, you know, Eagles all day. (laughs) I like it. I like it. Uh, so I, I know you gotta, you gotta be on duty here pretty soon. So, um, you know, as, as we move along, I, I did want to, I did want to ask, um, you know, a little bit, a little bit more about how you're interacting with your kids, um, about these conversations and, and these topics that, that we've been touching on. I know you're in a interracial relationship. Do you find it important to teach your kids about what it is being a minority in this country um or and especially you know when uh, with with anybody mixed i mean it, it's it's always going to be a little bit more of a difficult conversation i think um but uh do you find that important to kind of like impart this all of this wisdom that you've gained from you know growing up in these communities and being a part of these communities now policing these communities um, <clears throat> do you find that conversation important to have with your with your children? Oh, a hundred percent. Um, I feel as though um I have I can have that conversation with my daughter twenty four seven. Um, not my son; he's five years old. He's just worrying about jumping off the walls and having fun. But with with me and my daughter, me and my wife, um, we see no color. Um, that's something that I uh, it allows me to be a great law enforcement uh, um officer and allows me to go out. Off, outside this uniform and be a great person to the public, um, set up great events and have both black, white, Mexican, um, Latinos there, and, and it all turned out to be a great event. Um, so yes, with my kids, with my daughter, we always shed light that, yes, there is some people out there that, as far that does see color, that does bring the light white, black, and different. Um, but at the same time, all, all me and my wife can control in our household is how we raise our daughter. And we in our household, we teach there is no color. Obviously, if somebody comes at you in a negative way because of the color of your skin, words words don't hurt. Um, obviously, if they touch you, then that's a whole different story. But words can only go by so far. And that's what we tell my um, daughter all the time. Words in general is we live in a social media society. Um, words in general now is affecting a lot of people just through words. Um, but at the same time, it's what is the world doing physically, you know? So um, our daughter is so ahead because we, we break stuff down to her. So physically, as far as what is the world doing? We're like, are you going out there? Are you setting up community events? Are you bonding with your neighbor? Are you um, obviously uplifting your community? Are you, what are you doing? Um, right now, it seems like the whole world's just sitting behind the news or sitting behind our social media. And they're just saying a lot of words. So I just challenge everybody out there today, like, what are you doing? Like, it's easy to say words, but what actually are you doing to um, help the whole problem? Yeah. Yeah. And, and if anybody, you know, if anybody uh, d- puts their hands on her, I'm sure dad's coming after her. You got it. Yeah. And, and dad, for the, for the listeners, dad isn't a small guy. You already <laughs> talked about that. Yeah. No, he's a big dude. <laughs> a big guy, six, five, what, 240. <laughs> yeah, you and you've always been a big guy. I remember uh-huh. it from way back when, man. So, um, but um, I know again, we want to be sensitive to your time. Obviously, um, you growing up in Wilmington has anything really changed from your perspective on how things are being handled today and what you've seen and the the life lessons that you're learning or teaching people? Have things changed since your time of growing up? 
So, yeah, I would say a lot of things change. Um, the city, in a sense, um, you got a lot of people that live there that's in poverty. So just learning the behind the scheme of things, what goes on, um, people that live in poverty, uh, it creates less jobs. Like you're not going, you're not going to just be able to go out and get a job because you got a lot of people that dropped out of high school or did that. So that's a lot of stuff that what comes with a poverty area. Um, within that poverty area, that was not being able to get jobs. You have to do something for money, right? So that creates a high crime rate. Um, so that's just something that me being on the other side with growing up in Wilmington and seeing that firsthand, um, and then obviously I'm going to college, getting my degree, better, better myself, better in my family. Um, that's something now that I can, like I said, what are you doing? That's something I can cause change to, it needs to change as far as to build the poverty um, places up. Um, obviously if you build the poverty places up, obviously people will be able to get jobs. Um, they'll be able to get the housing loans they need, the business loans they need. Um, obviously that'll raise their, um, their, their, raise their um, income. Obviously you raise the income, crime goes down yeah. somebody's making a good paycheck crime goes down it's that simple so now I, um me me being on the other side me knowing and me actually living in it like what am i going to do to change it so that's something i want to change in the future mm. very very good answer very cool man again it's like so cool to see like the person that you become and you know yeah, just and obviously, again, we haven't, I haven't talked to you in years, but it's, it's great to have someone like you on the police force, uh, but also, more importantly, impacting the community, right? Yeah. Being aware of the, the certain climates, the certain conditions where people may not be set up for success, um, but you identifying them and really starting to give back to those communities and raising that. So. Yeah, and I, and I really hope that, you know, um, people... Uh, you know, your approach to your profession, going that extra mile, uh, eventually is just the norm and not going an extra mile anymore. You know, exactly. it's just like the standard, exactly. so. Exactly. And I always tell everybody like, yes, I want to set the bar high just from sports, law enforcement, being a father, being a husband, I want to set my bar high. So I, I, I want to create that high bar standard of the people that are around me, through my friends, through my brothers, through my um, coworkers. So that's just me, but at the same time, I always challenge everybody else, like, keep your bar high, but with, with you, with, do what you love in life, um, and obviously the world of I'm a better person. Absolutely. Great. So I think we have three last questions here to wrap it up. Uh, Jamal, this has been awesome and really great to catch up with you. So I know you've given a lot of advice so far in this conversation, but what's the one piece of advice that you would give to other dads or people kind of explaining the current situation going on? Um, I would tell them firsthand, explain to your kids, in every job, there is good and there is bad. Obviously, the leader of that job has to expose the bad apples. Um, with being in law enforcement, um, exposing the bad apples always come from a, a bad situation. And in this case, in George Floyd, the bad situation was George Floyd lost his life. Um, that's not a bad situation or a bad outcome that you want, but just explain to your kids that in every profession there is good and bad. Um, just tell your kids to be that positive symbol. Um, create change, whatever job you want to do in your life. And then the people around you, uh, like you said, they'll, you'll set the standard for them. So, and just go from there. And I've filled off every parent tells their kids to set the standard high. Um, the people around them will jump on board and whatever business um, or job for career they want to take, it'll, it'll make it that much better. Great. Great answer. 
Uh, this is this is good stuff. So, and then next question: um, What do you think people? What do you think would help people heal or move forward? Or what are some actions that you can suggest to people to help them move forward? Uh, as far as the George Floyd situation, um, everybody has to talk about it. Um, a lot of people are going out there and protesting, but talk about it on a whole nother level as far as what are we going to change? Like, like I said, one um, detail I said as far as poverty in those poverty places in every state, what are, what are they going to do to go in and change it? Um, and necessarily, those places are the black community. So what, what, are, what is the whole world, the whole nation going to do? as far as changing and uplifting those poverty places. Cause it's easy to honestly go out and protest, obviously hear, let people hear where you're coming from, um, dish out your emotions, but then there's always time stops for no man. Tomorrow's gonna come, then the next week, the next month. So over time, how is the whole USA, America gonna change this problem? Cause right now there is a problem, um, obviously. Um, just George Floyd, um, yes, every life is precious, but his death bringing it all to light it's been it's that this problem poverty and every a lot of black communities has been here for years um so now is the time to um what are we going to do to change it Absolutely. yeah and, and that's exactly how we felt about it um you know as far as uh that discourse it's like yeah. you know it's a, it, you mentioned social media and there's so many so many people throwing out so many words and they're saying so many things about it and it's like we're not, we're not black. I mean, we wanted to make it a, a point to, you know, the, in this miniseries, it's like, we're talking to black dads and yeah. we're, you know, that's, that's who we want this perspective from. Like, yeah. you know, you can talk to all these other people who don't get me wrong. Everybody yeah. needs to be involved. Obviously it doesn't just take a black person or a white person. It takes everybody yeah. coming together. Who is this affecting? Who is this about? I mean, it's it's these communities, and and I think yeah. you know it's important to bring the focus back to that. It's and like that, we, we need to I talk can, to these people. Yeah, I could um jump on board with you. That goes that goes to another point. Um, like oh, every business, every career field out there, they need to just put the right people in the right positions. So yeah. uh, I'll give you a, a brief example, as far, and I'll use me as an example. Like if if I'm great with the public. And say if with my with my career field in law enforcement, I want to apply for community outreach. Say if I was to apply, if I do everything off off the job, no overtime, I just put all my extra time into my family and setting up community events. But then when the time comes, I apply for a community outreach. Say if I don't get it, that's doing that's doing your state a disservice because you're not putting the right people in the right position. So I just challenge every law enforcement out there. Yes, rank is a huge focal point in every law enforcement agency. So corporals, you got sergeants, you got lieutenants, you got um, troopers that are just getting out of academy. But if somebody's great at what they do, please put them in the right position because your state is only going to benefit from it. Yeah, yeah, that's such a good point. That's such a good point. I think a, a lot of organizations, not just law enforcement, companies, pri companies in the private sector, I mean, they really miss the mark um, yeah. with, you know, representation. Um, and the, the right representation yep. uh, when it when it comes to leadership for sure and I, and I think that's another um, you know issue that's starting to be talked about during yep. all this too outside of law enforcement yep. um, but uh, so so Jamal do, do you have any suggestions or maybe um, organizations that that people can 
you know, reach out to for these kind of like community outreach things that you're mm -hmm. talking about um, that, that people can help, you know, because like we said, there's been protests. People are obviously all over Twitter and, and yep. Instagram and everything. Um, but are there any organizations or, or even, you know, uh, people can reach out to their local uh, police departments for community outreach, um, you know, events and things like that. Do you, do you have any suggestions for people? Yep, you just, you just said it. Um, reach out to your local law enforcement agency. Obviously, they'll give you the link or the number to their community outreach. And obviously, numerous events, so you'll get numerous events. Um, there are free events. Obviously, you get the time, you get the dates, and just the public needs to respond out and just respond as a community and obviously get better as a group. Thanks, man. Well, this has been this has been awesome. Um, we do want to be respectful of your time, and thanks again for joining. Any any last thoughts or words for you? Uh, uh, I'll be on here again, man. Just let me know. Oh, sure, uh, man. We're gonna we're gonna have to have you back on for sure. Yep. Appreciate y'all having me. Hell yeah. yeah well, thanks, thanks again, Jamal. And the way we end every show is we just like to remind people: it's not a guy's night; it's a dad's night. Thanks, man. Take care, brother.